The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast. I am your host, Amelia Breton, and today we're chatting with Megan Windle. Megan is an Agile coach and the president of the Agile 757 meetup in Hampton Roads, Virginia, and an Agile conference speaker. She specializes in the people side of change and wholeheartedly believes that happy teams sparkle with creativity and productivity. Thanks for chatting with us today, Megan. We appreciate you being a guest on the Women in Agile podcast. You're welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Awesome. So we met you at Agile 2019 um, and are so happy about the stories that you have um, around becoming a speaker in your journey to making it onto the big board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have, I have a, it's kind of a whirlwind year that I've been on and uh, I'm really excited to share my experiences. Awesome. So before you ever became this fabulous Agile speaker, how did you find Agile in the first place? Yeah, I actually really love to tell this story. Um, when Agile came to my company, I was a project manager, and I was not selected to be one of the pilot, uh, to be on a pilot team, and the person next to me was. And it totally seemed like um, Agile was this very needy situation where, where she was constantly either with her team or when she was sitting next to me, she was getting calls. When are you going to come back? When are you coming over? And it seemed like a very needy situation. And from me, from just a project management point of view, I'm like, why do you have to be over there all the time? I don't want to be tied down by this team. <laughs> and I actually actively avoided getting put on an Agile team for the longest time. Um, it just so happens that I got put on a, uh, or I did a two-year stint with uh, more of an infrastructure type team um, as their project manager and supporting all of their big efforts. But they, they were having lots of difficulties and let's just say I had a troubled project, or if, if you know the project <laughs> management terms, I had a red project for about a year and got beat up constantly. Um, wow. And after two years, I went to my manager and I said, I need a change. I just need something different. And he says, well, I have an agile team for you. And I said, I will try anything. Just I need something different. So I went to training both at my company and then they sent me to scrum master training and I fully embraced the mindset. Like it, it was easy for me to set aside the project manager mindset and take on the scrum master mindset. And after living that life for about two months, I was like, Oh my gosh, my quality of life has improved dramatically and I'm not getting beat up all the time. I have this group of people around me all the time and we're like a family and it was just so much easier to do my job and it was so much more rewarding to step away from project results and then focus just on this group of people and helping them function better together. So uh, that's kind of how I found Agile. And from, from this day on, I'm, I'm just telling all the project managers, you know, there's quite a few of them that push back at Agile and they don't want to be a scrum master. Um, there's lots of bad... Um, 
bad um, feelings out there on the project management side that they think a scrum master is less than. Um, they think they're going to get paid less money. And I'm here to say it's not less than, it's just different. And it hasn't affected my pay. And I'm better off overall. So yeah. that's kind of where I am and how I got here. And I like to, every time I teach a training class, I tell them about how I got into Agile and how I avoided it in the beginning and how I just love it now. Yeah, I have a similar story. I was somebody who said, this will never work here, <laughs> but maybe we'll try something. <laughs> and we become so much happier human beings yeah. um, when we're here. So once you were there in your company, you got involved in the greater Agile community. Mm -hmm. um, so what have you kind of observed about the role of women inside of our greater Agile community as you've been a part of it? Right. So for my, for my first year, I, I just stayed within my company and I didn't necessarily notice any differences. I feel like we have a good, good um, representation of women in leadership roles in the Agile coaching roles and in Scrum Master roles. Probably less representation in technical areas, but there's still plenty of women around. Mm -hmm. So it, it never felt like, like there was any issue until I started going outside of the company, going to meetups, and especially at Agile conferences. Um, you're normally surrounded by a ton of men. Most of the speakers are men, and, and it's the women are very few and far between. Yeah, it's pretty common. I mean, all of the manifesto signers were a bunch of guys. Yes. Who to go skiing. Yes. So you're going to these conferences and you started speaking. And that's something that I know so many women in our community are interested in getting into. Um, how did you sort of start your journey as the awesome Agile conference speaker that you are? Well, it, it started as me... Um, I I have a few role models when it comes to Agile coaching. Um, I probably share one of my role models with many other women who listen to this podcast, but Lisa Adkins is yeah. the very first Agile coach that I was ever exposed to. Um, I had an Agile coach at my company, but I just thought that that was just something she did. I didn't know it was a job until I went to one of Lisa Adkins' um, talks at the local Innovate Virginia conference. And... I, it was all about ask the coach. And I was like, wait, this is a real thing. People get paid to do this. This is amazing. Um, and so she's one of my role models. Um, I also have some male role models as well, like Braz Brandt um, is, is another one. And I kept thinking, if I want to level up my, my coaching and my skills and the things that I want to do, you know, all these people that I look up to do speaking events. So if they do it, I want to do it too. And awesome. I went to um, one of my coworkers who I knew did speaking events in other areas of technology. And I said, hey, this is something that I'd like to try. Would you mind helping me out? Because through our company, there's an extensive process for um, getting approved to speak outside of the company. Um, and he said, sure, I'm about to do a talk for our local PMI group. And you can help me with it. And by help, I mean, you can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> and so actually around that time, I had a fellow coach who was pretty much 
equivalent to me in seniority and who hadn't done any speaking all at, at that time. And so I included him with me on the learning journey. And we did an internal talk. And then I found out that the there was a regional conference in DC called Agile DC. And they did lightning talks. And so we said, you know what, we're going to create a lightning talk. Um, and we're going to pitch it to this conference. And we got selected. And we're able to go to Agile DC and do this lightning talk. And it was just 10 minutes. It was on kind of a quirky idea that we got from our very first speaking engagement at the company. We kind of took like a segment of it. It was called the elevator switch. And it was about turning conversations about change from negative into hopeful. Because um, um, we're kind of, I live in a very change resistant environment. So a lot of the conversations we hear about change um, tend to be negative. Um, I, for one, have participated in those negative conversations in the past. So when you think about you come out of a big meeting, big announcement, and people get in the elevator to go back to work, like when those doors shut, what is that conversation? And a lot of times, it's a whole bunch of negativity. So how, how do you act in the moment and turn that around into something that's more hopeful, but just by asking some simple questions? So that was our lightning talk, and it, and it went really, really well. Um, so that was my first speaking event. And I think that was like October last year. It was right around this time last year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That was the first agile speaking event, we'll say. Um, then I pitched a, a talk to Innovate Virginia, which is the, um, the regional conference that's closest to me and was able to do a full hour all by myself there. Um, it was a talk on, it was called The Art of Agile, and it was interpreting the art of war with an agile mindset. So how did you feel as you were like getting ready to make this big move from sort of a lightning talk speaker at uh, a pretty, at a regional conference, but you had somebody else, it was just 10 minutes, mm -hmm. to really creating your first hour-long full solo session? I was actually really excited about it. Um, I had this idea um, that I didn't think many people had done before. And I, I knew people had interpreted the art of war from different perspectives before. I've, I've seen that it's out there um, from a project management perspective and from so many other perspectives, but I couldn't find any agile perspectives. And when I read the art of war, I see agile references all over the text. Like if, if mm -hmm. you just look at it, if you look at it with your agile mindset, all of a sudden there's all sorts of agile concepts in the text. Um, so I got really excited about that. And then I started Googling to see, you know, who's done this before? I'm, somebody must have done this before. And I couldn't find anything. It's possible someone has, and I, it's just not on Google. You never know. Right. But, but it was something that I kind of thought, this is cool. Let me try this. And I pitched that talk and was able to actually execute on it. I have to say the time period that I had to, from, getting selected to turning it into the actual talk and presenting it was rather short. Um, How long was it? I, I feel like it was two months. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. It, my, my memory is a little bad, but I feel like to me, it felt like a very short amount of time because I did not prepare the talk until I knew I had selected, been selected to speak on it. Um, I had the great idea and I, I um, knew I could do it. I just didn't want to put all of the work into it if I wasn't going to get selected. So 
last responsible moment, right? Yeah, definitely. So then the pressure was on, got to work on it. I was working on it every weekend and at night and then all the practicing. Let's let's just say I got a little mini projector and my office became my presentation room and I would just present to the wall and and practice because I'm a, I'm not one of those that um, flies from the hip. Uh, I practice a lot. Um, it just helps me to have that muscle memory of in the moment knowing what to say, as opposed to stumbling over my words, which I'm probably doing right here on this podcast because this is not You're doing rehearsed. a great job. <laughs> so you've practiced, you've written the talk, you've rehearsed, you've gone over and over, mm-hmm. and you arrive on the big day. Yes. So the night before, there was a speaker reception. And I ended up um, hanging out with some some other speakers. Uh, we hang we hung out most of the night, and was able to get a look at my room, do a run through in the room, and I was feeling really really good. So the day of comes around, and I'm so excited. I ended up. Um, I don't normally attend a session right before I speak. So like I was skipped a session and got my head right, um, kind of went over my notes and make sure I knew what I was going to say, got to the room the minute it was free so that I could plug in the computer and get everything set up. I'm all about preparing because I don't want to be frantic in the last moment. Um, Gave the talk and I was so excited because people from my work, that I didn't even know were coming to the conference came to my talk. And my friend who works at a different company brought everyone that attended the conference from her, from her company to my talk. And it was, and, and people who were um, speakers, other speakers and other trainers and coaches that I knew were like there for my talk. And it was so, so amazing. Um, I did have a little hiccup during the talk. Um, we had, there were some windows open in the room because it was kind of a warm day. Um, and right as I was about to get to like one of my really interesting stories, like a story that I was really passionate about, from the recess in the ceiling where the projector screen comes down, a bird flew out of it and started flying <laughs> around the room. So I'd say in that moment, I probably panicked a minute. Um And I just stopped talking because I said, they're not going to listen to me while a bird's flying around the room. But I do have to say, people jumped into action. And before you knew it, there was someone at every window in the room holding the window up to see if we could get the bird to fly out. So it's probably (laughs) a few minute delay. And then kind of, meanwhile, I'm like standing there, like, I don't know what to do, but I'm not talking and please get the bird out of the room. (laughs) Um, And... Uh, How'd you recover yourself after? Well, I think I kept going. I kind of started over with the story. However, the story lost a little bit of its oomph. Um, But I was able to make a joke about the bird in the room uh, during the talk. And I have to say that even people, after, after my talk was done, even people that weren't in it, everyone was talking about the bird in the room and how well I had handled it. Awesome. Well, and I was thinking how well I had handled it. I had no clue what to do. All I did was stop talking. <laughs> so it, it was it was an interesting thing. That's funny. So you've recovered from the bird. Mm-hmm. You've finished your talk with a bang, I assume. Yeah, definitely. Um, how did you feel when that was over? I felt so good. 
people that I respected greatly were telling me great job. Um, and, and I mean, I was just getting really good feedback. Now I can receive feedback that's negative and positive. So, so don't take it wrong or anything, right. but, but I was getting really, really positive feedback. So I was very, very happy, especially knowing that that was my first solo event and it was a full hour. And to tell you the truth, interpreting the art of war was kind of a daunting topic for me. Um, but once I got selected, I said, well, we're going to make this happen. Um, a lot of times when I'm going to go about um, doing something that I see as tough or challenging and I'm, I'm a little bit dreading it, but I'm going to do it anyway, I'll, I'll say to myself, yippee-ki-yay. And, and that's like, okay, <laughs> we're going. Let's do it. And so I just said, all right, let's do this. Um, yeah. So that's a big, brave um sort of thing to tackle as your first big, you know, full hour talk. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of, so I went from this really, really big high to later in the day as the conference is winding down and it's the, the social afterwards, um, someone that I respected very, very greatly kind of pulled me aside and was providing me with some feedback on the conference talk and they separated me from the crowd. We were literally alone in a hallway, but it had some chairs and a seating area in it. And I, I kind of had one of the hardest experiences of my speaking career so far. Um, and it's one that I kind of want to share with this, the people on the podcast. Um, what happened was after being separated from the crowd all alone with this person, um, he proceeded to decimate my talk, um, tell me all the ways he didn't like it, all the ways it wasn't how he would have done it, all the ways that my slides were too busy, um, and, and all sorts of things. And if I had to summarize it, um, I didn't do it the way he would have done it. And that's what was wrong with it. Meanwhile, every now and then someone walks by and they congratulate me on my talk. I had someone literally stop and say, you should write a book. This is amazing. Maybe we should partner up on something. Here's my card. I'm going to call you. And, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? So he's talking to me about um, slides being too busy and he's talking to me about this and that. And I said, okay. Um, in, in one certain example, I said, how would you have done this? Trying to get, instead of feedback on, I don't like it. And it's not like I would have done it. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, how would you have done it? Help me out here. How can I make this better? And he said, I can't give you the answers. And so at that point I was like, oh my gosh, this is someone that I respected. Someone that I thought was my friend from the night before. And now for the past hour had been completely trying to tear me down. Um, after about an hour wrapped up, the whole social was done. I'm walking to my car and I'm actually very, very upset. Um, probably for the next week, I am very, very upset um, because this was someone that I had trusted and, and respected. And they... They seemed to be the only person that was providing negative feedback and they were providing it in a way that wasn't constructive. It was more mm -hmm. um, very hurtful. Um, and I'd say I probably was in a funk for about a week. And then 
I got notification that I was selected to speak at Agile 2019. And from that point forward, I was like, you know what? (laughs) I must be doing something right if I can get selected to speak at a national conference my first year trying. Um, But so that kind of helped. And then um, I found um, some some guidance that kind of helped me get over it a little bit more. Because I have to say, to this day, it sticks with me a little bit. But how I'm able to get over it is I found some very encouraging advice from from Brene Brown. Um, I actually didn't know about Brene Brown until her Netflix special came out. But when she starts talking about um, the Roosevelt quote, the man in the arena, mm-hmm. um, it's all talking about, you know, don't listen to the critics. Don't listen to the people in the cheap seats. The only people who matter are the people that are in the arena, on the floor, covered in blood and sweat and tears, the people getting it done. And so that's been the most encouraging piece of advice for me as a conference speaker and how how I can um, deal with criticism like I got on my very first speaking event. Um, because to tell you the truth, while this is someone that was a speaker, he wasn't in my arena. He mm-hmm. wasn't a first-time speaker. He wasn't someone stepping out and doing something all by themselves, you know, kind of out there alone. And I, I consider him, he was in the cheap seats and I just need to kind of discard his, his, his criticism, take it for what it is and, and, and take advice from people who are more in it with me than there to cheer on my demise. And that sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? (laughs) No, not really. I mean, so you overcame that. Yeah. And you found a way to live in it. Definitely. Um, and you show up to Agile 2019 and you're on the big board, mm-hmm. which I know for me was the first time I was on the big board, which was this year. There was this moment of like, oh, wow. Tell me about that moment when you walked through the big doors and you saw your name on the big board. That was exciting. However, I didn't know that the big board was a thing. And I actually <laughs> wish I had have paid more attention to that. I did look at my name on it. I, I did see it. And I wish I had have taken a picture of it because that would have been amazing. But I, I was more in awe at the size of the conference and the number of people there. And um, like the very first opportunity I got, I went and looked at my room and it was a lot bigger than I had anticipated. Um, I, I have to say that I was very humble and super excited at the opportunity that I had in front of me. So you spoke on Thursday, which is at the end of the conference. Thursday, the last time slot before the conference party, which is basically the last real like speaking time slot. I think the Friday time slot was um, the conference chairs um, put on. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. So... It, it was a tough time slot. So so how did you deal with the four days where you're here at this massive conference, knowing that your piece is there at the end? Well, that was a challenge. I, I have to say, and actually I hadn't told you what I was speaking on. I actually was there to speak on a self-care talk. Um, I was in the self-care track and I had this, this um, continuous improvement approach to self-care that I was presenting in a workshop format. So what I did is every day I would set myself a self-care goal. 
Now, I'd say the first day, I, I actually started with the Women in Agile conference on the on the Sunday. So that I consider mm-hmm. that my first day. And my goal was to make friends because I was, a, I was, well, I had people from my company there, but they weren't staying in the hotel. So I felt alone. So I said, okay, I need to make friends. I need to have people here. Um, so that was my first self-care goal. Um, the second day, which is the first day of the real conference, I was kind of excited, but I was a little tired from the night before because my friends and I had stayed out a little late. <laughs> um, and so the second day I said, you know what? I need to get to bed at a decent time. And I think I went to dinner with a friend and got back. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go to my room and go to bed. But then there was like stuff going on in the exhibit hall. And I ended up walking around <laughs> the exhibit hall and getting all sorts of swag. Because I, I like to bring swag back for the people that I work with. Um, and I, I, I walked around there for two more hours. And by the time I got to bed, it was really, really late again. So I'm not sure I su- succeeded with my self-care goal that night. So the next day I woke up and I said, okay, new self-care goal. <laughs> I am really going to get to bed early tonight. <laughs> so that night I did not go to dinner with friends. Um, and I was able to get to bed a little early. But the real trick was... I had been thinking about how am I going to get to the last day of the conference, the last time slot on the last day of the conference and, and bring energy and enthusiasm to my talk. How am I going to be sparkly me? And what I had decided was I need to get sleep the night before, which I did. And on the day of, on Thursday, I did not attend any talks, any sessions, anything And I made an appointment at the spa and I got a massage and I completely pampered myself in the morning, had a nice big lunch. And then I started kind of reviewing and rehearsing and got up to the conference room in enough time to get all set up. And I had thought enough in advance to say, you know what? It's the afternoon. People are going to start dragging and everybody wants to go to the conference party. So I ended up I, I created a um, crowd prep playlist that has upbeat, positive music, didn't have cuss words in it, didn't have questionable content. I really had to filter out my music there because I didn't want to <laughs> offend. Um, but I had this upbeat playlist that I consciously chose to play as I was getting ready for my talk. And it served two purposes. One was to help energize the room. And the other one was if I'm bebopping around while I'm getting ready, I'm not nervous. So that's, that kind of helped me out. And, and it was really cool because I brought a speaker with me. And as I told the, the, um, there was someone helping me get in my mic and he's like, Oh, if you're going to play music, you don't need your speaker. And he plugged it into the room sound equipment and it was loud and it was so cool. The music was so (laughs) cool. And people would actually walk and like, look in the door of the room, like what's going on in here. (laughs) I, I quite enjoyed myself there and and started off my talk on a really good note um i i every time i have to use a mic i get a little nervous like the handheld mics really like mess up my vibe because when i practice i don't have a mic so i guess it's a lesson learned i should practice like i'm holding one but you know i never do um this time i had a lapel mic which i've never had before and it was a really cool experience because as I was speaking, I was literally hearing it in the room and there wasn't a big delay. And 
I, I have to say for the first two or three minutes of the talk, I was a little jittery, a little excited. Um, but, but after a few minutes, like after the first interaction with the crowd, like there was some um, check-in questions that I asked after we kind of got through that interaction, I completely like zoned in, into the room and I got rid of those nerves everything's going great. The sound system's working. I think um, I had a friend who was recording me. She was supposed to be taking pictures, but the pictures were turning out fuzzy. So she ended up just flipping it into recording. And I literally look over her like a cheese ball and I give her this big smile and big thumbs up into the camera. And as I, I watch it back later, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I was really cheesy, but I was super excited. Um, and in the moment, it felt so cool. I, I'm literally doing this self-care workshop, trying to teach people how they can have small healthcare, excuse me, small self-care goals and, and help themselves, you know, help better themselves and get themselves into a better state of mind for their life so that they can move forward and, and really benefit from self-care. Um, That's awesome. And so, I, Yeah. You've done this, you've succeeded, everything's wonderful. Mm -hmm. What are you doing for your own personal growth now? Ah, so my own personal growth. I am actually a big proponent of continuous improvement. I, I actually, I named my talk after my continuous improvement theme song, and it's Masterpiece by Jesse J. Um, and it's all about, I'm still working on my masterpiece, you know, I've got a way to go, but you know, I'm still working on it. I can't, I can't ever remember the words unless I'm singing it and I'm not going to sing on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, awesome. but, um, so what I do, um, I'm constantly seeking out new certifications. I am currently reading dare to lead by Brene Brown. I am also reading a book by one of the keynote speakers at agile 2019. I don't know how to present, pronounce her last name, but it's Lynn Kazali. Um, she had the talk on ish, uh, and good enough. And the book that I'm reading from her is called making sense. And it's, it's really something that, uh, that I'm very much enjoying. It's, it's, it's written in a very down to earth way. It's an easy read. And actually sometimes I laugh out loud when I'm reading it because, um, uh, she just has a really special way of how she says things in her book. And there's lots of visual examples of how to make sense of the things in her book as she's teaching you to make sense. So that's kind of one of awesome. the books that I'm reading now. And I love to watch YouTube videos. I actually prefer to watch videos over reading books, but um, I'm all about continuously learning and improving myself. Um, so I have to say I'm really bad at limiting my work in progress when it comes to <laughs> learning and improvement. Um, yeah, I'm really, really bad at that. Uh, I was, um, talking to one of, one of my other coaches and telling her all the things that I've been working on. And she's a Kanban person. <laughs> and she says, Megan, now when you, when you think about all those things you just told me, what does that tell you? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not good at limiting my whip. <laughs> I struggle with whip as well. Yeah. So do you have any final words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners? You know, what I would like to encourage your listeners to do, or the listeners, is um, if you think you want to go into speaking, or even if you want to try speaking, you should go for it. The key is 
find someone who is there in your corner to support you that can help you get started. Um, it, it doesn't even have to be an agile speaker, but anyone who does some speaking events so that they, they can help you learn the ropes and know what you need to do to get started. Um, start small. You can start with a lightning talk. Many of the conferences have lightning talks or your local meetup. You know, I am the president of Agile 757 and I struggle with getting speakers at my meetup and none of my um, meetup attendees really are interested in speaking. So I'm constantly, as I'm at conferences, asking people, hey, do you want to come to Hampton Roads and speak at my meetup? Um, so I guess this is a shameless plug. If anybody wants to come speak at my meetup, let me know. <laughs> How would they get in contact with you for that? Um... They can contact me on Twitter or LinkedIn. So I'm, uh, can we attach it to, yeah, can we detach yeah. my contact info to the, the podcast? I think so. All right, cool. Awesome. Uh, definitely contact me if you're interested or we'll be in the area in Hampton Roads, Virginia. For sure. Awesome. Um, Thank you so much for talking to us about your journey. Okay. And Thanks. about everything. It's okay. so exciting to see new speakers coming onto the platform and that you're supporting other people to join us. Yes. I, I think that supporting each other is like one of the best things that we can do and encouraging others um, and keeping in mind that um, when you're attending talks, you're, the talk may not be your cup of tea. You can use the law of mobility and go somewhere else that you like better. Um, but the, the big thing is if, if you're going to venture into the speaking arena, know that there might be some bumps along the way and just keep in mind that's going to happen. Not everybody has to like your talk. Not everybody has to stay. It's fine, but just, just, just be sparkly. You sparkle is like my metaphor for how I want to be. Um, and, and it's something that I try to, to bring to all the things that I do. So I, I guess that's my final words. Be sparkly. You. Awesome. And thank you for sharing your sparkle and your glow with us on this podcast. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or coworker about the podcast. Please go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and to find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.